if you want an answer, you can find an answer. If you want, if you're looking for the future of sports media, it will be here somewhere, but trying to locate it, you can build a story to tell. Hi, Richard. Hey, you. How are you? So, tell me what you're up to. I know you're, you have a lot of media things you're doing, but explain with detail what you're doing. Okay, so, we're in, I say we're, I'm in Monaco. Sean, my partner, was supposed to be here, but he's not. That's another story. But yeah, we're here at Sportel, and last week we were at his leaders. So it's, it's sort of, it's that time of year where you've got to be out and about a bit. Normally I quite like staying in Brighton and just, you know, I, go, I come into London a couple of times a week, stay at home, that does me. But this time of year I make a bit of an effort and I'm just a bit like Barrington, at least on that side with the sea, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, this is not a bad place to be. And tell me about an official partner now. So we're four years in. I think we've done three hundred and fifty podcasts, wow. which is feels like a lot now. It's going well. We're 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 sort of the initial idea for it, and it has changed over time. I think you just, you've just got to move it whenever you can. It's, it was me and Sean thinking, well, well, we'll do a podcast. I'm an expert, well, I'm a journalist. He is a new biz guy, you know, ran his own businesses, own consultancy. He was very early to sort of digital publishing. And we thought, well, let's have a podcast and then that can be an editorial front end to a sort of consultancy offer. You know, we sell stuff out the back door and that was the initial, that first sort of 18 months, that was pretty much what we did. And then we, so we got a load of clients and then it was like, well, the podcast were actually, the Trojan horse has become the horse. There's a, there's a whole load of people that want to sponsor us and do things with us and do it in, you know, it became a platform for this audience, the Sportel audience, the the leaders audience, the sports pros, sport business, all of those, the, you know, that world, that bubble that we're all in, sports business, B2B sport, it felt like, okay, we're, we're offering something slightly different, a different tone of voice, perhaps. The, the, the actual uh, platform of podcast does a lot of good things. You know, it's quite a useful way of, of just entering that market. And now, we don't, you know, we, we switch. So we're now much more, the podcast is, is a commercial vehicle in its own right. We do quite a lot of the events, big and small. So big ones, we just did one a couple of weeks ago at Olympic Park, the Orbit Tower overlooking yeah. uh, sort of East London. And that was convergence, betting, media, the future of media. Then we did one at the, uh, Two Circles at a client summit, and I did it. You know, we did a turn there. So there's that bit, and then there's a lot of small room. You know, it's I always say to people, do you want if you're sponsoring an event like this, you need a thousand people. Do you need a hundred people? Actually, you probably just want ten people if they're the right. Team. So that's quite a useful remit. So, what are the things that uh, keep you interested in, in the sport business after so many years? What do you think people should really look into now? Okay, so I think it's a, 
we cover a, the broad, you know, a very broad, we take it very broadly. So we, we cover as many different subjects as we can. And we're not, to an extent, we haven't got any skin in the game. Exactly, in the band. That's so we're, we're just sort of bystanders. So something like here, a lot of the, the energy and the question is, I think, hovering over this week. There's a lot of people in there selling D to C as both an idea, but also obviously the tech solution yeah. to it. I don't know. I'm looking around for great case studies of where this is is revolutionary. It's is it is the promise of that what we thought it was going to be, or what the industry thought it was going to be. If we go back to Sportel, I mean, I haven't been to Sportel for donkey's years, so. It used to be a relatively simple affair where you've had broadcast rights and you were trying to market marketplace. It was a marketplace. It was easy, and now it's quite actually quite tricky to work out where anyone is in the food chain. You know, there's a there's a whole supply chain. There's the plumbing that goes from the fan to the rice holder to the. I was know, a plumber. Was a then. I was a plumber. <laughs> the plumbers. I love the plumbers. There's money in plumbing, but there's it's a question of trying to sort of establish the, you know, and this is taking place in a in an atmosphere in the rights market you know every week there's a there's a question mark coming out and i if you someone um hugo sharman this morning we did a podcast and he said something interesting he said that if you want an answer you can find an answer if you want if you're looking for the future of sports media it will be here somewhere but trying to locate it you can build a story to tell but actually whether it's d to c whether it's uh, uh, sort of trying to, you know, the whole Gen Z social media engagement, whether it's betting, whether it's the, um, my head at the moment is in, it's been in betting for the last sort of few weeks or few months because it's something I know nothing about. I'm not a better, but actually it feels like it's just below the surface of this conversation. So in terms of where the money is going to come from is ultimately everyone is saying is it you know if ESPN and Sky and NBC turn the taps off or if the model stops working which is what we've been saying for 10 years at some point what happens and so it will be different in different places at different times obviously and there's not one answer to it I think betting has is more central to the business model than people like to think they like the, and then they like to talk about and i think that maybe just because it's fresh in my mind i'm looking at things like so the american market and we you know people are saying well, there's a gold rush a betting gold rush there actually it's two companies 70 percent of the market yeah. they've got the wallet they've done the work it was a fantasy product now you then go at them with ESPN bet or you go in with you know Barstool or whatever the brand is I think good luck with that because I think that's going to be very hard work to take on those two incumbents now the question then becomes well is how normal is the American market is that something that actually it's something we that is uh, directional or is it just an anomaly that we have to forget about it the UK markets different when I look at the India market I was talking to Artie Devas this morning yeah and asking about Dream 11. Now, if I had a pound or a million quid to invest, which I don't, by the way, um, I'd be looking at them because if the bet is a deregulation in the Indian betting market in the way that it's happened in America, they are positioned 
to take advantage in a way that very few of others are. And then you get to, you know, a question I often ask, who do you, who, who do you really think is going to win? Hmm. You know, this is a race that's, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And people more or less come out with Amazon fanatics, the ones that have got the fat, the customer. And it, I think it talks to the limits. There's, I think there's an interesting question that we're all wrestling with at the moment, which is the limits of the power of the brand versus the product and the sport, the sport brand, the club brand, wherever it is. Of course, there we there's an affinity to club brands or to league brands, but actually, how powerful are they to do the work that this industry needs them to do that they've done in the past? I, I, uh, I, I was interviewing Maria Ruadwete from Yahoo Research, and she, when I asked who's winning, and you know, she said the one with more friends, the one with more partnership, the one with, you know, that yeah. they're able to work with everybody. Yeah. Not a bad <laughs> take, I think. I think if, if you frame it as a, in the, you know, like a, your world in the tech world, there is a winner takes all aspect. Now, if we were to sort of use that as a framework, then you are looking at the Premier League, the NFL, you look at the IPL. I don't, it, it's for the, I said to Richard Scudamore on our podcast, have the Premier League won. You know, and he's obviously saying, well, you can't be complacent, you can't be doing it, <laughs> but it's theirs to lose, certainly. They've, the, the, the luck of the growth of the market that coincided with Abramovich's money that blew up the, the, the cost base, which then meant more money coming in, more fans at a time where social media came in. You've got a whole sort of stew of, of a perfect storm there, which the Premier League has come out as this global leader. Yeah. The product's great because the money is funding the yeah. players. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an unusual aspect. You wouldn't plan it that way, yeah. but it's going to be very hard for anyone to take them on. Yeah. And I think then the other question is, well, what do they do with that power? Huh. You, you know, you, your world of D to C <laughs> is we've been talking now, what, 10 minutes and no one's mentioned Premflix. <laughs> but yeah. that's always hovering there. Well, it would be, so I, I'm always fascinated with things like MLS and Apple. So yeah. I'm 36 years in the business. Every time there is something different, I'm a fan just to observe. Uh, first, so you clearly need so much courage to do a move like that. Like it's really, you can lose everything. No, not, so, not everything, but yeah, you can make a yeah. huge mistake. So that's why I'm, when it happens, I'm always there happy, just because I can observe something different, to be honest. I think there's a, you know, ever, the leaders last week, there was a lot of talk about the Saudi question. Um, I, it's a question that is really complicated and difficult and I have a different position every time I wake up. You know, <laughs> I have a starting position, which is I don't like it. I can hear all the arguments about change and how Peter it's Peter is convincing. Sometimes. He is a very yeah, and I and I say this, you know, quite often that Peter is out there at the front of that. He's fronting this, and he's he's. There are a lot of people here and at leaders who want the money but don't want to do. Yeah. the publicity they don't want to do the BBC interview they don't want yeah. to have to take that heat and to be fair to Peter he's he's come out and said right this is what I'm doing and this is where I'm where I stand and this is you know this is the job so fair play um, 
I know it's complicated. It, well, I say it's complicated. It's sort of, it's simple and complex at the same time. If it's, when people want to take the money, they're very creative at getting to uh, reasons why you would do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably sort of, I, I say, I'm really, don't know where I, I stand. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at it and listening, trying to learn more and more. One of the things about the, the doing a sports business thing, people quite often say, well, you know, you don't get bored of like talking about sponsorship. I say, yeah, of course. It's, you know, it's not about how much the man, the shirts worth or whatever it is. It's just a route in to some really quite interesting and, and sometimes important. And this Saudi question, women's football, women's sport question. These, yeah. are, these are broader and more important questions. Sport is offering a really interesting route in. Yeah. Um, and it allows you to sort of just learn alone. You know, and that's what I'm, I'm interested in. I think it's, I'm capable of being, I would be hopeless under interrogation <laughs> because my my view on most things can be I can be talked out of but you could talk me out of it you, know, <laughs> you, could, you could take 10 minutes and you could turn me around on it you know on a sixpence so I'm very aware of that sometimes I think that's a real weakness sometimes I think I hear people with very strong opinions I think oh actually no you know I've, it's better to just be open-minded as much as you can but I know it's not easy, but forget football for a second. <laughs> Which other sport is relevant to think about in this age? Well, the word relevant is really important. It's doing a lot of work there. So I think that the question for all the sports I grew up with, tennis, golf, rugby, cricket, the Olympics, relevance. Are they relevant and will they remain relevant? And not just, I, not to me, obviously, to my daughter, to your kids. That's the real existential challenge because they, the framing of the, all the sports that we call big sports, are, have been targeting white men as an audience and on the whole and they are they have been enormously fortunate because of just there weren't many of them and there weren't many options all the you know the reasons that we know now totally different so relevant yes they're still relevant in some cases now is rugby relevant how rug we're in the middle of a we're just coming into the rugby world cup how relevant is rugby really how relevant is tennis outside of the Grand Slam, really? How relevant is golf beyond the Masters, the Open and the Ryder Cup? And Tiger. Tiger is, unfortunately, he's nearly as old as I am. <laughs> so in terms of setting alight the, you know, the generation, I think there's a, uh, and the Olympics, how relevant are the Olympics? This is quite a, an Anglo-Saxon view or a parochial view, but I think the aging of the Olympic audience, all of these questions are really big, nuggety, difficult problems, which, you know, I think that cricket, again, we know where the heart of cricket is, it's India, 
We know we've just seen in the last week the IOC want you know want putting cricket on there mm-hmm. yeah, purely a naked sort of attempt to get more rights and and to grow the Olympics in India. That's what they would love to do. Now whether or not an Olympic tournament, I asked a question this morning here at Sportel, and it was sort of yeah it might work. There's a great Indian panel that was that was debating you know sport in India beyond cricket. And it was like, whereas Michael Payne last week said it will go from peanuts to $150 million in rights fees for the Olympics from the Indian market. And that's not, you know, it might work. Michael is very bullish on the Olympics and the value of the Olympics, obviously, because that was, that's his life. Yeah. don't know. So relevance, I think, is really quite an interesting work because you get to cultural relevance and... Be, there is complacency about sport that assumes cultural relevance because it's always been there. It's a historical thing. And we know all of the you know questions about well, it's not the same world, and our kids are different, and they're looking at different things, and it's whether it's gaming, or I, have, I have no idea. But we know that they're going to have to work harder. And we know again a good data point that came out from our podcast last week was that. Andrew Umbers of uh, Oakwell Capital, but he said that UK sports properties spend 1% of their revenue on marketing. So, if that's anywhere near right, you can start to see the problem. They don't value marketing, they don't see marketing, they don't, they don't need marketing. Marketing is a cost, that's their worldview, it's always been their worldview. So, if, you, if that's what the organisations are thinking, because people will come anyway, they're in for a shock, aren't they? We know that, and that's the, you know, there's a real challenge there. Now that's a cultural change, as well as someone coming in saying we need to do more marketing, <laughs> that gets to, well, what's your definition of marketing? But it's not the tension between B2B and D2C, so these are B2B organizations, that's my view. Yeah. And I've always been a fan of D2C, I mean, even uh, like testing something, because it's a, I, I did it myself, it's a cultural change. You bring, uh, brings a respect for the customer, because it, especially in as uh, streaming, like I did, these are paying physical people in digital, but in front of you, you, you change your mindset. And it's a good, that's why I'm encouraging all organizations in sport to do it, just to learn. I, th- I mean, this is what I've learned myself, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I, it comes back to culture so many times. You know, you can have, there's a lot of people here selling the technology, you can buy the latest thing, you can get the people, it's cultural. Do you actually want to go direct yeah. to the customer? You might not like the fans. There might not be as many of them. You know, <laughs> yeah, if you go OTT yeah. or if you go direct to the fan, yeah. they might not be there in the same numbers that you yeah. think they are, but also they're a pain in the arse. <laughs> we know this. Customers are a pain in the arse. You know, anyone who's worked in I don't retail, know if I keep this. <laughs> anyone who works in, you know, have you met a sports fan? Have you met a Spurs fan? They are... You want to go direct to them and start dealing with them like 
Tesco has to deal with them or an yeah. airline has to deal with them or a bank has to deal with them. They are a pain in the ass. Now, do you really, really want to do that unless you, you absolutely have to? You just gave HR department in sports organization the exact list of where they have to hire people if they want to do direct to consumer. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's difficult. It's really hard. It's really hard work. Yeah. I know. I've worked in a marketing agency. It's really hard. Yeah. As we are uh, in front of a beautiful sea, uh, this is possibly and hopefully the worst joke of my week. Let's talk about the pirates. Oh, that is a lovely segue. <laughs> a tremendous segue. So, pirates, we, um, so Unofficial Partner, we have created Unofficial Partner Productions, which is run by Matt's, uh, Matt Cutler. Yep. And we, our first sort of uh, production was a series, the Pirates versus the Premier League. Now, what happened was that one, it's really good. I I, I just listened it, it, to it, so yeah, it's good. It's, it's not the same. It it's true. not the normal podcast yeah. fodder that, that you'll hear. It's a different way of telling the story. It's, it's shorter, you know, news, five new, um, five fifteen-minute uh, podcast, but. What happened is that it got out of the audience. Most of the stuff that we do on Unofficial Partner is a B2B, it's a, it's, it's, it's a business audience. This got onto football Twitter, it got in the Times, it got in the Athletic, we pushed it, you know, we did some clever PR around it. And it, it sort of went, uh, the numbers went mad. Spotify then promoted and Apple rejigged their algorithms and it, it just got momentum going. So the number of people that saw it was relative to, to our um, normal numbers was, was massive. So... What is the official name? The Pirates versus the Premier League. So, and what we wanted to do was come at this very difficult, complex question of illegal streaming in sport, but come at it from different directions. It's, it's what about the fan? Why are people doing it? And it came about because I was in, I live in Brighton. I'm a man of a certain age. I, go, I went around to a friend who was the same sort of age. He's now putting something in the side of his telly. And I said, what's that? And we had every sports channel you could ever want to sit in there. And it, my sense was this is normal or it's becoming normal. This is normal behavior for more and more people. And that's a really scary thing to think about if you're selling TV rights, because it's a leak um, and it undermines the business model. So then we went to a pub and then you start to talk about the, you know, the role of the pub in sports fandom. And you start to then say, right, where is, where is who, who are the pirates? And we started talking about the people themselves. Now, and we got hold of a pirate, which was fun. I can imagine. Now the end of this supply chain is some the worst people in the world, you know. So it's real criminality. It's it's human traffickers. It's drugs, and you know, illegal streaming is a part of their product set. Yeah, you said it's a vertical. It's a vert, yeah. And it's I don't want to get stuck in a lift with those people. So we don't, you know, it's we've got to be realistic. It's a um, these are terrible, terrible people at the other end. What's I think the reason for doing it is well, what what is the, the customer, the fan, why are they doing it? Now, my assumption being that 
again, I came into the, when we started doing the research, was that uh, it's a cost thing, cost of living, people yeah, yeah. can't afford yeah. it, football's too expensive. Now that is true, it's obviously true, that football is more expensive than it was, and people, a lot of people can't afford it and don't want to pay. There is, however, the research that came back was there's a very large chunk of people who pay and download illegally as well. And it's about uh, product market fit. It's about, well, is this, why is it so complicated to watch a Spurs game? You know, what is it that you've done to make watching football and other sports just so complex? It's in so many different places. I've got so many different sub uh, subscriptions. I'm bored and irritated by the way in which you've handled things over the last 25, 30 years. Yes, the amount of money that is being made, I benefited from that, from having nice stadia. I'm not, I know all the arguments, but fundamentally, it's about money. It's too expensive, but it's also too complicated. Make it simpler. Now, you then land on our final episode, which is, okay, well, what does this, all this mean? Where is it going? And I think the sort of conclusion that we, we got to was, you know, we, the obvious analogy, and we're talking about it here this week, which is the Spotify Napster moment in music, is sport, is that what's going to happen? And you can see all sorts of barriers to that happening, but there is a real question mark, which again, sports rights holders and broadcasters don't particularly want to engage with. It's not a question, it's not a, I feel sorry for the Premier League, and because it's not something that you can get much political support for. No one wants to stand in, you know, wave a banner. The government is not going to step in and say, I'm protecting Todd Bowley's interests. You know, I'm, it's, there's no votes in it for that. And it's quite hard to get an international consortium together because it's a very, UK is hit disproportionately hard because, you know, no, it's, it's incredible. Piracy is an incredible sort of indicator of demand. No one pirates crap. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, so if you went back in your career and said, Right, where, what are the analogies that you would then draw? There's music, there's also the way Microsoft used to talk about the India and Chinese market, you know, let them pirate it and they'll become fans when they get older. Now, I have no idea whether that yeah. worked out yeah. or whether that's true, but mar there is a marketing element to piracy, which I think is, is something that is interesting to talk about. It doesn't get talked about very often at, you know, at events like these because most people are trying to sell solutions and their solutions of whack-a-mole or you know, <laughs> they are trying to work out how to stop the stuff from from getting out which is i don't think that's where the answer lies yeah. so yeah uh you're moderating a panel on wednesday here at Sport yeah you, you're on it as well yeah, so we, this is like a warm-up so we we'll, we'll have a uh, I can ask you very difficult questions no, about piracy and direct, <laughs> direct to a consumer. So, thank you. It's been a very noisy and yeah. uh, super authentic chat, which is exactly what I normally want from my guests. Thank you for doing this, Richard. Great to see you.